Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 403. Do it right. And I guess that that's in life as well. Do it right. Don't just go for the shortcut. Don't just go for the cheapest thing, especially if it's something that you care about. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Eric Shea. Eric, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Five-point harness is on. Very cool. I love it when my guests come prepared and ready to go. And in your case, we're ready to stop too, but we'll get into that in a minute. Eric Shea owns PMB Performance in Sandy, Utah, and started his business with a single pair of Porsche 914 brake calipers. His company rebuilds and restores brake calipers to their original state using the same methods as when they were factory built. Intimately familiar with the correct plating techniques, his process brings parts back to their original condition. Eric restores parts for his customers and supplies exceptional resellers and restoration experts, including Stoddard, Ferrari parts for T. Rutlands, that Porsche guy, Magnus Walker, who's been a guest here on Cars, yeah? Tony Semijan and Max Sluter with calipers for their customers and their cars. The motto at PMB Performance is, we don't rebuild, we restore. And I've seen their work. It is absolutely fantastic. So, Eric, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Is you take a moment and tell us a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Yeah, well, the passion, you know, it started as, as a young boy back in Michigan, and I was probably around age 13 when I got my first car. Um, I convinced my father to, to give me the 300 bucks early. Um, he would give each of the each of the kids 300 bucks to buy a car back then. <laughs> and uh, so I got a I got a Volkswagen Beetle um, because that's kind of what he was into. And we knew that we could, uh, we knew that we could rebuild the engine. And, uh, you know, I mean, the way that car was designed was so you could be basically hands-on and do your own maintenance. And that's, that's what we did. And, and so I spent uh, three years building and rebuilding and learning how to build motors and learning how to, you know, tinker on cars. By the time I was 16, I was ready to go. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, being a Porsche guy myself, and uh, we met down at Rensport a couple months ago, and looking at what you do, uh, I've got a turbo sitting in my garage. I need to send you the uh, calipers, too, so you can make them look brand new. But you do such, I'm sure you can, you do such great work. 
Uh, really love the way you guys uh, bring cars back to their original states. Fantastic. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life, your career, your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Eric, take the wheel. Well, I came from the corporate world. Um, I was one of those who uh, had landed in the corporate world, and and I was in the music industry. And I, I had the opportunity to work for a local Fortune 500 company here in Salt Lake City. And I learned a lot. I loved it. Um, marketing director, uh, sales, national sales manager. And so the one thing I understood as far as business goes is profit's not really a dirty word. So for my success mantra, it would be I want to offer a product. I seek products out that I can offer at a really good value to the end consumer mm. because I was that end consumer for a long time. And I knew when the quote-unquote Porsche tax was being applied to me, and I didn't like it. And I don't want to do it to my customers. Mm -hmm. So I would look for a product that I would have a great margin in so I can keep the lights on, pay the employees, and continue to offer the service. But I also wanted to make it a product that was totally feasible in the market price-wise. I want to make sure that it's a great, fair value. And I've, I've, I've skipped over things. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things I could be doing, but I just, I just don't. I'd have to charge too much for it. It just wouldn't make sense. I wouldn't make any money doing it. Um, so that's really, uh, what's inspired the success here. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really homegrown, mm -hmm. but that's, that's what did it. You know, it started out in a garage. And I, and I realized that I had a good margin in these calipers, and it was really a great price to the end consumer as well. Parts, and especially parts for Porsches, can be so expensive. And, you know, your original comment that profit uh, is not a dirty word, I don't know whoever came up with the original thought that profit is a dirty word. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're all in business for. I've always well, kind of questioned that that mentality, but uh, I don't know, I maybe. Think I can see it. I can see it. I understand. I mean, I think too much profit when you get too greedy and, you know, you, you go a little crazy on that, then, then it can be a dirty word, you know, yeah. then you're, you're just gouging people. You know? Sure. Absolutely. I understand that for sure. And usually your consumers, your customers will let you know when you're doing that yeah. to them, <laughs> unless you're the only game yep. in town, of course, but uh, yeah. I understand that. Would you share a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy, when that, that passion really started for you? Absolutely. It really started out, as I had discussed earlier, at age 13, um, I really wanted to get a car. I watched my dad with VWs. We had we had a uh, he he worked in in a suburb of Detroit, but we lived in Lansing, so he would commute back and forth. So logically, back then it was a VW Beetle, great gas mileage, you know, great little car you could just commute back and forth with. So he had those cars, and if you know these old VW Beetles and buses, we had buses as well. It wasn't if. That was going to fail. It was when the engine was going to fail. So there were there were plenty of times that, that we would take out the engines. I was the kid with the small arms, and I could reach behind that fan shroud and hold that seventeen millimeter nut on the back of the transmission, so he could <laughs> so he could get that out. Yeah. And so I was in the garage with my dad a lot, working on these cars, and it just kind of hit me. And then 
my brother and I drove by the local Porsche dealer, and he was talking about these 914s with six-cylinder motors in them. So it must have been around 70, 71. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, you know, they were at the track. They, they would be better than the 911s because they were mid-engine and all this stuff. And so I was kind of hunted down that car, and it, it kind of became an enigma for me. But really, age 13 or so, I got my first car, and I was a car guy. Had the motor out of that thing. I tore it apart. I, I remember to this day, I, I rebuilt that motor with about $76 worth of J.C. Whitney parts. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> didn't, didn't last very long, but. Yeah. No, it's a start. It's a start. Now, I'm chuckling because I had a, a Carmagia as a kid, and uh, being able to reach behind that fan shroud and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, be able to pull the engine out, <laughs> and how many times did I drop it onto a skateboard and roll it out from under the car, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's how we learn all that stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, J.C. Whitney, they saved me a few times as well. So very cool. Well, what I'd love to do now is crawl under the hood and take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Get our hands a little dirty. Certainly something that sounds like you're not afraid to do and mm-hmm. ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the more important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? What did you learn from it? You know, that's a tough one. I I know that that's a hard question for a lot of people to answer, but that's a tough one because I'm probably going through it right now Mm. with growth. Mm -hmm. So the business was was started in the, uh, started in the garage, as I had mentioned earlier, and it was easy with, you know, a few orders coming in here or there and taking care of this and taking care of that. And then it grew. I needed another employee. Mm-hmm. And then it grew. We needed to move out of the garage and we had got a shop and I was so worried. Am I going to be able to make the payments? And then it grew and I had to get the shop next door and we punched a hole through the wall. So I would say probably one of the toughest periods, one of the biggest challenges I'm facing right now is managing that growth. Mm. One thing for me that's, that's really helped me with the business and, and probably accelerated the growth and propelled the business because I'm very, very, very concerned about how the end consumer experience is. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I start to get the calls, where are my calipers? Where's my order? <laughs> how, much long, how much longer is it going to be? Right. You know, because we have a two, three-week backlog, um, and I know these guys want to get their car on the road and they want to drive it one more time before they have to put it away. Yeah. It, it kills me. So... To this day, right now, um, we're starting to get into our slow period at the end of the year. Um, December, mid-November, December is kind of where it slows down. January just starts right back up again. Mm-hmm. But this is the period where I'm trying to realign the systems, you know, mm-hmm. how, we, how we handle our pistons, how we handle our fasteners, how we, you know, do the plating process and this kind of stuff. I'm trying to realign them for future growth so that I don't have to go through this again. So the next time it'll be as easy as hiring another person for this area, this task, and and growing the business. So I'm probably in my biggest challenge right now. So building building new systems procedures, the way you function, the way you operate, and how you delegate the work, and uh, how you bring in new people and integrate them into your systems? It it is, yeah. It's really setting the the system up for growth here. Mm -hmm. And it's killed me because I I just, uh, I mean, in, in the heat of the summer here, we had huge backlogs and you know the phone was just ringing off the hook yeah 
Well, that's a good problem to have, but it certainly brings about a whole other set of its own issues and problems. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely for small business, how do you manage that growth? How do you take that step to the next level? And uh, there's there's a lot of great books out there, a lot of great resources out there to to go Mm -hmm. out and seek help on that. And of course, uh, other people who operate businesses had many people here on cars. Yeah. Who operate small businesses that provide services and parts to people. So reaching out to those folks, creating a good network of people that can help you with uh, some guidance on that, I think is invaluable. It does help. And, and, you know, a funny story when I, when I did work for the fortune 500 company and I heard, you know, that the growth is going to hurt us here or there, I always would laugh, you know, (laughs) How could growth hurt you? Yeah. And it's it's one of those things that's come back to slap me in the face. Now bit, so. you understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's exponential at, at different levels, no matter how big a company and how to how to go that far. We hear about companies that look very successful from the outside and uh, uh, all of a sudden, oops, they're in trouble. And uh, there's a local grocery retailer here where I live in Washington, and now they're in bankruptcy because they opened too many stores too fast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, there's that fine line, that fine step of understanding where you can go and where you can't go. So, right. well, we wish you the best there. Let's shift gears here and, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment. It's like when those halogen lights come on and illuminate your way for this new idea, this new direction you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. That's a good question as well. I, I think the aha moment for me was when what I had initially built uh, as far as the business model proved to be more functional than fashionable. And then it made sense. And, and it revolves around the finishing technique. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it revolves around the finishing technique on all of the calipers that we work on. Um, and the number one rule is don't try to outthink the factory. When I put together my first set of calipers, it was that oddball 914 rear caliper that nobody knew how to rebuild. They just didn't understand this thing. It has a handbrake integrated in it. You got to screw the pistons in and out. And you got to get these C-clips and all this weird stuff. I said, I can tackle that. I've got an extra pair in the garage. Let me see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. The people on, on the message boards couldn't do it. Or they, they, they could. They just didn't have any resources. There's really nobody out there to, to help them. We've done a video in the meantime and that kind of thing. But there was no place to get these calipers. So I thought, well, there's a need in the market. Let me see if I can fulfill it. So I did. And I had restored a few cars previously. I had a good relationship with the, the local zinc plating company here in town. And I said, how much does zinc plate these calipers? Gives me a price. Let's zinc plate them. My initial thought was they're going to look great and they're going to sell really quick. Mm-hmm. And they did. And they did. So they looked great. They sold in 15 minutes. And 15 minutes later, I had six more orders. <laughs> so that's how the business was started. But that aha moment when the lights went on was when I figured out that the plating was the key longevity in the calipers when we started and it was years before we started to see some of the competitive products come in that were sticking and and already bad after a couple of months because they had media blasted the finish off the calipers they spray them with oil they put a cheap kit in them where the there aren't enough ozonates in the rubber and the dust boots go away and they crumble in your hands and Mm. the calipers now rusting and i thought 
it really is a zinc plating, not on the outside, but on the inside. Ah, okay. That protects that protects the bore because brake fluid being hygroscopic, it pulls water in, mm-hmm. and that's where calipers fail. Ninety nine point nine percent of the caliper failures are because of rust mm-hmm. inside inside the caliper. Yeah. And and so that was the aha moment that. These finishing techniques that we just stumbled upon because we thought it's going to make them shiny, it's going to help them sell quicker, and they'll look real cool on your car. And that's the way the factory was. We split them in half, and you look at the caliper halves, and and you can see yellow zinc. Adam tested it's zinc, not CAD. CAD is not a good rust inhibitor, but it's it's that. And then when we go to the aluminum cal- calipers, it's the anodizing. Mm-hmm. And this is the same method. You have to have the anodizing inside the bore. When the anodizing wears off the inside of the bore, then you have corrosion in there. And this is what causes calipers to stick. Yeah. So that's really the number one thing um, with regard to, you know, that's the aha moment when the lights went on, that this is the right process that we're going to be going through. Yeah. No, it's very interesting, and you know, having had uh, many Porsches in my garage, um, I'm sitting here thinking about. I had a 914. I mentioned in our pre-show check, and yeah, that rear brake caliper was kind of an oddity. Uh, first mm-hmm. time I pulled the wheel off, I went, hmm, this is different. At the time, I had a, a 72S, and I'm thinking, oh, that doesn't look anything like that. And mm-hmm. uh, the turbo I have today, of course, with the turbo calipers, completely different finish. And look to those with that black finish on the outside. So, uh, yeah, don't try to outthink what they originally did. There's a lot of smart uh, German guys back there in Germany figuring exactly. all this stuff out. Yeah, so just follow their lead. You'll probably be best. And I think today with the, with the cars today, people want their cars to be more original. In many cases, I know the R Group guys want different stuff, but maybe if they're putting turbo brakes on their uh, long hoods, you know, they still want it to look like what it looked like from the factory or <laughs> yep. very cool. How about proudest career moments? I'm sure you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? Uh, that's a tough one. It's probably job oriented. I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that, that seems a little shallow. I'm really proud that, that I'm here. We're offering employment for people in the community, et cetera. And the business is growing. But I think, you know, some of my cool little moments are, are job-related. You know, when we did 935 calipers for the car that, uh, you know, won its class in Le Mans and, you know, nice. what, whatever year. When we, when we did a set of RSR, um, early RSR, in, you know, black anodized calipers uh, for, for an original RSR. Um, and then to have people like Bruce Canepa or John Wilhoyt use our products mm. and our services <laughs> yes. on, on their cars, yeah. you know, that, that kind of, it almost harkens back to the aha moment when, you know, you, you realize that it was doing the right things. So, you know, uh, great companies like uh, CPR and, and Will Hoy, Canapa, uh, to have them under our belt, um, not as a, an occasional customer, but a regular, here's another order from, from them. Right. You know, it, oh, yeah. it really, it really, uh, it really makes you proud and it makes you, you feel like you're on the right track. And then, you know, again, when you marry it all with all the things you've learned, 
um, about the zinc plating, about the processes, and, and again, our mantra, we don't rebuild, we restore. We do our very best to restore to those factory specs. Mm-hmm. Which is which is why these guys come calling, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I've had Bruce on the show. I've known him for years. And when you look at the quality of cars that come out of his facility, they've got to be absolutely perfect. And John Wilhoyt, I've owned a car that he's restored and built. Uh, exceptional work, of course. He's a future guest coming up here on mm-hmm. Cars, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're dealing with some very, very high-end folks that are very picky. So the fact that uh, they're using your products, your services – you should be proud, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy like Bruce who has to walk around with the yellow notebook and it's got to pass, you know, mm-hmm. it's got to pass Bruce's muster. And, and yeah, that's, that's a very proud moment. Definitely. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle with us. <laughs> um kind of funny i I, i'll share a few and and because they they're all kind of special in their own way ironically um it wasn't a porsche or a volkswagen it was a ford shl when they first came out Mm -hmm. i remember car and driver magazine cover car america's fastest sedan and i went running down to the dealership to try this thing out you know this yamaha water jacket cool you know motor it's like wow and I drove the pants off that car. I lived in Chicago at the time, and I became the president of the SHO Club in Chicago, led tours to Detroit, to Texas, to Atlanta. Um, had a great time with that car. A lot of fun. Ate up a lot of clutches. Um, <laughs> uh, and I actually had the uh, Yamaha engineers offer to buy the car back because at that time I was a sales rep in the music industry, and I was putting 50-some thousand miles a year on the car. So. Hmm. Uh, it was the newest car with over 150,000 miles on it. Still ran like new. They wanted to tear the motor apart and see what it looked like. Mm-hmm. That was a fun car. And, and, you know, I think your first 911 is always one of your really special cars. You know? yep. I had a I had a 66 911 back in the day. And I, Ooh, that's an early one. Yeah. And, and see, the, the thing is, is, that's all I could afford back then were those early stupid short wheelbase cars and now they're worth <laughs> now they're worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, they're not so stupid anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then so uh, the other I, I would have to say real special car, you know, and special by, you know, today's standards would probably be uh twenty two thirty three, which is the nine fourteen six that I owned. Mm-hmm. Um restored that car uh and it ended up in the Porsche Museum at Silverstone. Nice. Sold it, sold it to somebody over in the UK, and, and uh, it ended up on display over there. That was another proud Papa moment, and one of my really special cars. Because I think you know everybody knows that uh, I hold a, I have a soft spot in my heart for the nine forty. Oh yeah, <laughs> very cool, awesome cars, all a lot of fun. How about of all those, or maybe there's another one as far as seller's remorse goes, a car you let go that you really wish you had back in the garage today. Probably that one, the 914.6. Um, I was between jobs, and um, it was either I had like three Porsches in the garage. And yeah, one's got to go. Either dig into the 401k or sell a Porsche. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one was running. 
at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the best. Yeah, that was the down the downside of a running car. Usually, you you think the running car is the good one, but uh, well, I'm sorry to bring that up. I always ask all my guests that, but uh, at least yeah. it's uh, having fun in England over there. So. It is, yeah. And, you know, it, it, there were a lot of things I wanted to do to that car, but it literally was a little old lady car. A police officer owned it, and his wife drove it back and forth to work. Huh. There wasn't a single hole in it that was drilled for an extra this or an extra that. Or wow. It was all original, and it was a, it was a beautiful little car. Um, it needed some love, so we restored it. And uh, But at the time, you know, I got market value for it, What I, you know, which I thought was... Fair market value for sure. it, which is yeah. about uh, 25% of what they're going for nowadays. But, well, you know, yeah. in that respect, you can't look back because at the yep. time it was the right thing to do. I can tell you, mm-hmm. I've got a few that I let go that, oh man, if I thought about what they're worth today, I'd feel sick to my stomach. But at the time, there was a college uh, education needed or something going on uh, with business. Sure. So uh, that's the way it goes. How about current projects? Is there something you guys are working on there today that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's the the two five GT that uh, is done now. Uh, kind of it, back to you know, in selling that car, all the things I wanted to do to that car, I could do to this car. It's really very clean seventy four tub that we soda blasted and built up, put it put all the GT goodies on it, and I drove it across America and back. And it was it was just a blast this year doing that. Nice. Um, a current project now, after you know that's in the books, of course, we look forward. So the next one is an off-road 914. Off-road 914? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to run the White Rim Trail with it here in Utah, and it's basically going to be developed for Utah's backcountry. I watched all my friends go have fun with all their all-wheel drives on the trails. There's so many killer BLM trails here in Utah, and I thought, I am going to make a 914. Um, I mean, you think of these sand rails, the mid-engine sand rails are the ones that do the best. So basically, we're building a 914, and we're using all of the factory goodies. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have people like uh, Kevin Jeanette, Hayden from Wevo, who have worked on East African safari and rally cars. Um, and they've shared some of the secrets of, you know, you want to make sure the suspension point is reinforced and do this and do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a 914 and apply all the 911 rally features to it and uh, raise the suspension up a bit. And uh, it's going to be a three-liter fiberglass-shelled rally car. That sounds cool. Can't wait to see that. Fantastic. So, Eric, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. 
Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CarsYeah.com slash sponsors. Okay, Eric, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Betcha. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think we discussed it a little earlier. Don't try to outthink the factory engineer. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Again, we spoke about it briefly. Just to make sure you offer a great product at a fair price. Hmm. Yeah, that seems to work, doesn't it? <laughs> Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you've enjoyed? Uh, absolutely. With uh, There's a few. With 914, you know, uh, I have that soft spot. 914 World is just a wealth of information. A lot of really cool, fun people to hang out with. That's fantastic. I think the suppliers like Pelican Parts and Stoddard, they have their heart in the right place. and They're great suppliers for our for our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Some great shops there, and a couple of those have been guests here on Cars yeah as well. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you've enjoyed reading that you'd like to share with the Cars yeah listeners? How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> yes, that's a great <laughs> one. I've heard that one before, and I'll remind our listeners that you can find that resource and all the resources Eric has shared with us today at carsyeah.com slash Eric Shea. His last name is spelled S-H-E-A. And there's another great place on the Cars Yeah website, guest recommended books, where this book and all the other past books that have been recommended are listed with easy click to purchase options for you out there. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Eric. And this last question can be a real doozy. I'm real interested to see how you answer this one. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you getting me my <laughs> 911, my, my 73 911 RS. <laughs> oh, you know, I kind of thought you'd pick that one. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the holy grail of the older Porsche long hood. So let's just delve into this a little bit. Uh, let me know what color options you'd like and whether this is a lightweight or a touring. And also, what is it about that car that's just so special for you? I'm going to go touring and I'm going to take lime, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think it was Conda. Signal but, green, uh, maybe Viper. Possibly, you know, Viper. Yeah, Viper green. Yeah. Um, or if they made one in, um, why is it escaping me now? Probably because we're doing a podcast. <laughs> um, if they, what's what's the eggplant? That's our, our uh, aubergine. Aubergine. Thank aubergine, you. Aubergine. Um, yes. If they made a, if they made a touring RS in aubergine, uh, I would, I would like that one, please. Probably yeah. touring, touring over lightweight. Um, uh, I, I know that, you know, the lightweight's got all the cool factory, but, but, you know, it's really going to be a car that I would, I would drive around, yeah. you know, occasionally and, and enjoy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, just, yeah, that is a very special vehicle. Definitely on the top of my list as well, being a Porsche guy and, oh my goodness. And, uh, gosh, there's just, uh, just one trying to be auctioned off a couple of weeks ago. One of my past guests, the Kino brothers had their inaugural auction and there's a yellow one. It wasn't aubergine. So I didn't bid on it for you. Sorry about that. Okay. But, thanks. But, uh, <laughs> I, I really like those funky seventies colors. I'm I a seven. 
seventies guy. I love the old, you know, uh, the plum crazy Mopars and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just love those seventies cars. Yeah. They're very nice. Well, this particular car, the yellow one with green stripes, uh, I think it got up to like 850, 950,000 and it still didn't sell. No, no, it was a, uh, I think it was, um, not a touring car, uh, but still, they have gotten quite expensive. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll get my uh, my eyes peeled for you, find you that aubergine. That would be a very unique color to have. I, they probably made very few of those in that color. So I don't know if they did. So if they made any in that color, that'd be fun. I'll have to pull out my RS book and see for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can figure that one out. <laughs> Well, you've taken me on a great ride today, Eric. I've really enjoyed talking with you and your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you give us one piece of parting guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your 73 RS Carrera? Yeah, it's a tough one for me to answer, but I'm seeing it when I'm restoring vehicles. I'm seeing it when we restore calipers. Um, The one word of advice would be do it right don't don't and, and i guess that that's in life as well do it right yeah don't just go for the shortcut don't just go for the cheapest thing especially if it's something that you care about you know be it your your family or you know your your car collection or whatnot or your you know the current car you're working on if you say oh i'm going to keep this car forever do it right yeah yeah. Uh, don't don't take any shortcuts. Don't uh, because they they always come back to haunt you. When we're taking apart a car, we're doing a rotisserie restoration on a car. We always look at these things and go, "Why on earth would they do that?" <laughs> and it's always these shortcuts that end up creating more and more problems down the road. So I guess we can do it with a drive analogy and say, you know, when you're on that drive, the road is uh, is better than the inn. <laughs> and don't take a shortcut. Absolutely. And especially when it comes to your brakes. Oh, my goodness. Do not take shortcuts when it comes to your brakes. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and PMB Performance? PMBPerformance.com is the website. So that's pretty simple. Um, and uh, that's probably the best way to, to find out about us and what we offer. Perfect. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Eric has been so nice to share with us today at carsyad.com slash Eric Shea, or just put Eric in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. Eric, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your business and your experiences with us. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you for sharing this with the people out there. Great service. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.